I don't wanna go to work I just wanna chill and play All day Look him dead in the face and say I wish I could just be still asleep while you work Welcome, welcome, welcome to the Jobs Blow Podcast with Brianna and Josh. The podcast for dreamers with and without day jobs. <laughs> we're so glad to be back after a year, and we're looking forward to sharing even more inspiring stories with all of you, as well as perspectives on surviving life in, around, during, and now post the pandemic. Yes, Josh, because since everything is still upside down, talking about pursuing a dream job feels even more aspirational than ever before. Yeah. That's why we're going to pivot and focus on the reality of what we're living in. But before we jump in, Josh, what are you living in? How are you? What's <laughs> well, going on? I'm living in the same shorts that I've been living in since the last time we spoke, uh, but I changed shirts, so that's, that's exciting. Um, nothing much. Uh, you know, I went to the... When we actually went outdoors for like 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 a beach kind of thing, not the sand, but like a playground park beach in Long Island, and it was so nice to like be outside. Uh, it's so weird. Like you go outside, it's like a treat now. Just going outside, you know. At least for us, it has been. And, well, it, um, you don't want to talk about your Wandavision project? Oh, because I, I actually just that. watched the finale myself. And so you got to catch up. So Mike, we're stuck in the house and everything. I got my daughter into watching WandaVision and she went nuts. She loved it. And she's seen some of the other Avengers movies. She's only six. And I noticed she's like pulling connections through all the movies and the stories. And I was like, wow, she's like really getting this. So we started doing like a review channel called uh, Pink is Perfect on YouTube. And it's just super fun. We get in front of the camera and we talk about what's going on each week and just kind of, you know, see what she comes up with. Sometimes she has great theories it's a lot of fun Thanks well i that. i was just there for ben's face because oh ben like, is just doing his own thing in the he's corner just making, right? yeah <laughs> my, my yeah. son just wanted to be in it and he's like talking to himself he's like bleh, 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 bleh. <laughs> so he, he has some he's some decent input he's he's not completely just there no he he screams things out i give him opportunities but the funny thing is it's funny you say it like so the other night we were gonna do it and then everyone was kind of tired and he went into this cranky crazy mode and he was like i want to film it right now so we pretended we set it all up and he we said action and he just stood there in the corner with his teeth grounded and his hands on his hips and every time we were like what do you think ben and he was like, mm -hmm. <laughs> we like right, okay so uh so that was that but Maybe otherwise you recorded it we did i have it on i'll i'll have to share it but um that's it, man. That's it. It's you know almost a year of this. I haven't cut my hair. I'm excited for a vaccine. Who says that? How are oh, you, Brianna? Of, How are you? I got a vaccine. You did my get first one this week. dose on Saturday. Um, not cutting in line because I really didn't want to do that. It made me uncomfortable because I am not eligible. So I called my local Dwayne Reed, um, and I got Brian, my husband, in, and I got in the next day to their for their extra doses. But how? How did you get in? How did, what because did you say? Because I had appointments that were canceled and I just called and said, is there any chance? Well, I had called and they said, we don't have any now. Call back at 545 on right. Thursday, on Friday, call 1145 on Saturday. So I called Friday. Got I got Brian in. They had a cancellation, an extra dose. And then Saturday they told me no. And then they called me back from their Wow. Like they saw my phone number, called me back and said, if you come now, you can have one. Wow. The only problem is that we don't automatically get signed up for the second dose. So like you we have, have to, to do this again. Which one was it? Moderna. And did you, did it hurt? Um, yeah, my arm was like super sore and then I was okay. But I, yesterday I got so tired. I went to bed at like 10 o'clock, which is not me. Um, but right. other than that, and it's did been you okay. Did any weird side effects, third arm, extra eye? No, nope, not yet. Aren't you going soon? Yeah, I, I can't wait. I keep trying to get earlier ones, but we got one in a couple of weeks. I'm hoping that it gives me another couple of inches. I might be a solid five, six would be awesome out of this. Oh, I thought you meant your, on your penis. I'll take those okay. too. If they're giving those out, <laughs> really I'll take extra inches right. down there too as well. All right. Well, I think it's time to talk about our show. So today our episode is called Normalize having a non-linear career path. And I know that might just sound like a string of words to people, but it really, it's, it's a very important topic. Our guest today is Holly 
Ojavo. Ojavo? Ojavo. <laughs> Holly Epstein Ojavo. I was worried about the J and then I blew all the other letters. <laughs> Writer, podcaster, uh, blogger, tweeter, mother. But, and she's here because I just happened to see her tweet that very, the subject of our show today, normalize a nonlinear career path. Explain and it. I, explain the tweet. Well, she'll, she can explain it, but I okay. liked it. And I was like, this, and then I looked at her profile and saw that she had all these amazing jobs. And so right. I reached out and said, will you be on so, our show? So what's the lesson here to our fans is that when you want to have a relationship with someone of any kind, stalk them through the internet and they will eventually come around. That's well, I don't know. Lesson. Andrea Savage has not responded to my <laughs> or she my will. IG message. But anyway, she welcome, will. Holly. Thank you for being here. Hi. Thank you so much for having me. This is fantastic. First, I want you to tell the audience the incredible response that tweet got, please. Oh, my gosh. Explain the tweet first. Explain the tweet first. Sure. So, yeah, like Brianna said, it just says, normalize having a nonlinear career path Um, with the clapping emojis in between, which a couple people pointed out. Maybe that's why it got so much attention because, yeah, it got over 150,000 likes, over 20,000 retweets. Over 700 people have responded to me. Wow. Some, almost 2,000 have quote tweeted it. And it's, I mean, still every day I keep getting you know, notifications that it's still getting action out there. Wow. I, I'm shocked. I have to tell you both that I tweeted this thing. I thought six people would like it. I went into a meeting and it just started ticking up, 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 up. And then it just like, boom, like fire. That's crazy. how it happens. But how long ago was it? It was this last week, right? This was last week. I think it was on the 23rd of February. Last yeah. week? It's 150,000 a week? Even, le- I mean, most of that was in two days. Yeah. So, yeah. But you said to explain it, right? So, yeah. yeah. Like, what made you even like do it? Yeah. I mean, this is something I'm struggling with personally right now and has been an issue for me throughout my career, you know, and I think a lot of people's career, which apparently is why I caught fire. I think a lot of people found that it resonated with them. I think the idea is that so many of us, don't have that like really traditional career path where you just like you get a job and you're there your whole life and you get the Rolex watch and the big you know retirement party at the end and that sort of thing. A lot of people move companies more and also move industries and you know just follow their passion and their curiosity. And it's not normalized. A lot of a lot of people say their parents don't like that. I mean, so many people message me and say, can you send this to my dad? You know, in my mind, I'm thinking, I'll send it to yours if you send it to mine, <laughs> you know? And I think, you know, a lot of, a lot of uh, hiring managers, you know, will, will look askance if you've moved around and I think mm, maybe that reflects badly on you. There's so many ways in which it doesn't, even though it's common, it doesn't feel normal. And I think there's a difference. And so, and I think that tweet really hinged on the, on the difference between those two things. The fact that it's not normalized, people are made to feel bad about it or they don't get jobs because of it is one thing. But on the other hand, it's so common that it really caught fire. And that's what I think is going on here. But I mean, your guess is as good as mine. I'm as surprised as anybody that went what so do, crazy. What do you think the nonlinear ref- like relates to people about do you mean or how did you intend it so did you mean mm-hmm. something more like you know be in the same position or t- same type of career and jump companies and jump levels or did you mean hey if you want to be a writer today and a farmer tomorrow do it what, where did the intention come from yeah for me it's all, all of it all of the above right whatever okay. non-linear looks like and there's so many different ways Nonlinear can look. I mean, my, certainly my career has been very nonlinear. And, you know, I, when I've told people my career, they look at my LinkedIn or my resume. A lot of times people go, huh, that's, that's interesting. Like, they don't know what to make of it, right. um, even though it feels organic. And I think a lot of people feel that way too, whether it is moving companies um, or moving roles, types of roles within companies. Like, you know, you're on the, you know, say in media, which I come from, right? You're on the business side, you're on the editorial side. Like, that's one right. thing. But some people have really, and including me, have really completely changed industries and, you know, types of careers. And I think a lot of people feel like, yeah, that, that should not feel weird. It should feel like, yeah, that's just like some people do that and it's all good. But to your point, I feel like it is super generational. Like, I, I mean, yes. and, and I think it's also geographical. Like, mm. I feel like a lot of my friends that live in Ohio, you know, in the middle of the country 
have had jobs for a really long time at the same places. So I don't, I mean, I feel like New York and LA, like big urban cities, people tend to move around more mm. than maybe in other places, but definitely, yeah. I definitely think generationally it's, mm-hmm. it's changed so much. Yeah. I think well, that's right. Because I think like in big cities, there tends to be more opportunity, right? There's right. just more going on. And you also meet more different kinds of people just in the course of your life. Right. So you're going to, be exposed to different kinds of opportunities and there's going to be more different kinds of opportunities out there as opposed to a smaller city that might be more dependent, right? On one or two industries. So there's that and definitely the generational piece. I mean, for sure. Well, I want to throw, all right, I'm going to throw a big curveball at you, right? So so in one regard, I have a friend who has been at the same company and virtually the same position since they've been there the whole time, right? And while being moved on to different teams, always at the same level, right? And the, the conversation has always been like, move up, you have to move up or you have to jump out to another company similar to if you want to come back, right? Like that seems to be the game plan and just a sidebar for any football fans out there in like the late nineties, they had this thing called plan B free agency. If you were on a team, you were always on that team. Right. And then free agency. And now what we have now in sports is these guys play three, four, five years for one team. And then they go to another team and play three, four, five years. And like, that's the norm. And that's how you make money. And that's how you find success in the professional leagues. But that was a big jolt at the time. What? My favorite player is going to go to another team. And that's kind of come over into now this like capitalistic view of working, which is you need to jump to different teams. But my challenge to you is that what do you say to the people? who are always like well you know you look at your resume it's a little all over the place how do you you got to focus pick one thing you got to keep you know what do you want to do right like what do you say to those people yeah that's a great question and i've been a hiring manager myself so i've definitely been faced with this like i don't know what to make of this person right and i might ask a question like what you're asking me hopefully hopefully in a nice positive way but yeah i think i think two things one is uh or a couple things one is um what are the themes or the threads that go throughout your career? And when you ask people who have had nonlinear, non-traditional, whatever you want to call it, careers, a lot of those people, right, have some kind of themes or threads Mm -hmm. and they might be, you know, it might even be soft skills. Like, well, in every, every job I've ever had, I have, coached and mentored people, right? Or right. something like that. Or I, I've always I've always been a hiring manager at all these different roles or whatever mm-hmm. it is. Usually you'll find people will find something that runs through the course of their of their career in an interesting way. Some people are just like, I'm a super curious person and I'm really good at learning really quickly. I, I'm, a, I'm a quick study. I can I can learn and grow and like switch gears really and that and that's an asset. Right. So some so for some people that's the thing. It's like actually it doesn't reflect badly on me. It reflects well on me because I don't. I, well, it I can should switch. reflect well on you, right? Well, right. You, have, you have to get in a room, but you have to be able yes. to get in a room to voice over what you're saying. Right. And the problem is, that's you right. don't always get in the room to have that. Right. It's the other half that has to also change their thinking too. Right. The hiring exactly. managers, the HR people, have to stop looking at your resume, going, "Oh, they moved up the same ladder. Okay, this is what I want," and start looking and going, "Oh, maybe this person has value that I can't see exactly from a piece of paper." That's exactly right. And not only that, it's the systems, right? There's so many, there's these applicant tracking systems now where like AI software will read your resume. And that's how you even get even the the initial eyes on it. You know, increasingly that's the first pass, right? So it's not even, it's not even a human like me looking and being like, huh, this person's interesting. Wouldn't even get to me. Right. The right. AI, the system would, would read those people out. So right. that, that's, so it's that's the robot the too. It's the robots. They're yes, kill all the robots. <laughs> the matrix was right all along. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so Holly, what, since we're talking about resumes, let's talk about your career path and you know, where you've been, because you've definitely moved around. I mean, there's a theme. I, you could you could sell me on what you were just telling us, um, but you've definitely you know had different types of jobs. So take us from the start. Yeah, sure. So originally, I thought I was going to be a, an English professor. That was my first path, um, and I was in grad school. And I quickly realized, wait a second, no, I don't want to do this. And that brought about it was sort of you know it was like my first crisis was my twenties. I was like, now what? And so I had some pretty crappy jobs in my 20s and trying to, trying to figure out what, what do I even want to do? I mean, I literally worked at a mouse pad company. 
when I, after I had my master, my first master's degree, I mean, I really did not know what the hell I was doing. A lot of people now in their twenties talk about, you know, career crisis. Right. When I had mine, it was really not talked about or normalized either. Like, oh my God, it just felt like this horrible crisis. I don't, when I, I've always had career crisis. I don't even know what it's like to not have a career crisis. But go ahead. I relate to that so hard. Yeah. So that was like my first thing, right? And then I had a couple of jobs like writing and editing, wasn't super happy about them. And then I actually was watching a, a State of the Union address and education came up. And that's something I'd been interested in. And obviously was interested in, you know, in a way that made college, me think right. about teaching college, right? But I had, but I was like, wait a second, I don't teach college. I could teach high school. Hello. So I went back and got another second master's degree. What? <laughs> I know, crazy. Sounds nuts. Um, and, you know, so, and so I studied education. So I got a master's in education. Wow. And then I taught high school for about 10 years. I was a student newspaper advisor. I taught English and at composition Stuyvesant. and Stuyvesant? philosophy. Yeah, Stuyvesant. Um, Which is one of the top high schools in, in New York City for the arts, but also, I guess, for writing. Too. Actually, not the arts. It's a, it's a math Oh, science. sorry, it's not Stuyvesant. I was thinking of... Uh, LaGuardia. Like, right, LaGuardia. Stuyvesant is one of the... What do they call it? The... Um, Stuyvesant, specialized. Tech, specialized. Specialized, yeah. Right. So one one of, specialized yeah it's like the top one on right. by some standards or whatever. Right. So yeah, I taught most, mostly at Stuyvesant. I also taught on Long Island. I taught at the American School in London. I oh. taught at a private school in Brooklyn. So, you know, and I, but yeah, I taught English philosophy. Had and, you been a journalist at all before that? Yeah, I had done a little bit of journalism before that. Okay. One of my writing jobs was in journalism. And I was a student journalist in college. I co-founded a a publication in college. I did some cool. investigative reporting and I, I did a little bit in high school too. And one of my, oh. one of my kids in my class in high school is like a pretty you know, prominent journalist now. So yeah, I did. I had like dabbled, I would say. Right? You might so be was, too smart for this show. I don't know. No, <laughs> definitely not. Definitely not. I mean, she did, Josh. So, you know, she liked the name of our show. This woman who is like a big time <laughs> English like person. It's very clever. She liked the name of our show. So well, I like to say with, that I inspired it because of how the reputation I have for being dirty, but really Brianna's got the dirty mind and she came up with it. So it was like That's my why you guys are a perfect pair. <laughs> and her and her brain. Perfection. I love it. Yeah. So yeah, so then you know, so then I was a high school teacher for like 10 years. And then on the side I started uh, freelance editing for this little project the New York Times had called the Learning Network, where they were basically packaging New York Times articles for teachers to help them use it for teaching and learning. And I got like a little bit burned out on teaching. And I thought, I don't want to be one of those burned out teachers. Like we've all yeah. had those burned out teachers, right? Mm -hmm. You don't want to be that. You don't want to be that person. I did not want to be that right. person. Right. So I was like, I need to change. Like I just, I need to mix it up. So I, I left um, teaching. You know, I had you were talking before about you know career paths where you can like you know, do the same thing your friend like you know did, teachers you know what like you have the same job right every right. Right. day every year it's like you're you're a teacher you don't really move up in teaching right um i decided i really needed like to shake things up so i went i went and worked at the new york times and i you know helped run this project of learning i'm network. sorry you got to pause right there i yeah. went and worked at the new york times <laughs> no big deal like i went <laughs> to a bodega and got yeah. a nestle crunch bar how do you went no. how do you went and go to work can you just at least dumb that down for us a little bit how does that happen i mean it's extremely unusual i think to to share the time that way Right. I mean, usually you have to work your way up in journalism. And right. I think that is a weird feeling. It's very weird to start at the times like that and not work your way up, you know, being like the local crime beat, you know, the traditional right. way you work your way up. Um, it's interesting that the manager, one of the managing editors at the time, um, when I met him, he was like, oh, hey, you're Holly, and you used to be a teacher. And I, he like learned everyone, it was, it was an event, he learned everybody's right. story. And I started to say, yeah, I know, it's like a really weird way to start here. And he was like, I'm going to stop you right there. I'm sure you have imposter syndrome. Look around the room. I think everybody here does. This is the New York Times after all. Right. And everyone feels they're, like they're not worthy. And everyone's like, wow, you know, the New York Times. But he was right. like, everyone here is worthy. You are worthy. We know what we're doing you belong here. And it wow. was really, really powerful. That's I don't know so if I quite nice. believed him, but it was right. very, very It wasn't generous. just a pep talk. It was, he really felt like he was giving me the truth there. Yeah. And I've heard other journalists talk about him giving them the same talk. I think this but, was like his thing. 
but that's what kind of what I'm talking about is like somebody in his position or around him mm-hmm. had to have the impetus to say, what are we looking for? That's not just the guy who wrote 10 years on the crime beat, right? Yes. What, what are we looking for? Well, somebody has to open at least crack that I'm putting my, I'm making a cracking gesture with my hands, crack a hole for people like you to come through, stick your head through, right? Mm-hmm. You know, if that's that right. crack is not open, you can bang your head against that wall all you want. It's just the opportunity is never going to be there. But also to your point, people get burned out in all jobs. So, and somebody mm-hmm. who's been writing about education for 10 years could have been like, you know what? I'm good. Right. Like I, I have no passion for this anymore, but here comes somebody who was actually in education mm-hmm. and, or maybe you did, did you yeah. write about education? Yeah. So, I mean, yeah. you know, I, it's not like you can't, you didn't come with experience. You no, I definitely did. And you know, I, I was asked like, about it a yeah. lot. Yeah. I was on actually on a project when I was there. Um, that that has died since then, but it was it was about New York City public schools, and right. they asked me lots of questions. I mean, tons and tons of questions. They had been covering it, like you're saying. Like some of those reporters had been right. covering education as a beat, but they hadn't worked in education from the inside, and they asked loads of questions. Right. They wanted to pick my brain and stuff like that. So I said, so "You're right." I mean, listen, journalism is really based on on curiosity, right? So there's a there's a lot to that. But I think, I mean, Josh, your point is really well taken. It goes back to what you were saying before about you need to have a person who's going to give you a chance. Right. And yeah, they I mean, they, they gave me a chance, right? They, they said like, this is valuable experience that you have. They didn't say, well, you're not really a journalist, but so, yeah, I mean, it was a bizarre way to start in journalism. I mean, very what, few people had their first job in journalism at the time. Right. I told, I know it's crazy. Well, you, you're like, almost like, uh, you're like a superhero then in a way you're like <laughs> i mean not to wandavision out over your geek out over it but like you know I you I have to watch that show well like you know the way he said oh you're holly it's like i just imagine like you know uh you know lois lane walking up to clark oh you're clark huh? you're the kid from uh kansas was writing that beat over there all right you know well, although you, i don't know why you... she talks like a jewish girl from the lower east side but you know what i mean <laughs> like i just had this vision but you uh, sorry brianna real quick but um was this like a dream come true? I mean, it had to be a dream come true in some regard. Like wherever you were in high school in your head, maybe one day I will. And now you are at the times. I mean. But you had worked there, 100%. right? You had been do- work doing like. Some- I was freelancing. Yeah. I right. mean, and I got that job cold. Like I wrote to the person who was running this, the learning network at the time. Not the person, she's not the person who's running it now. Right. She, I was like, Oh, Hey, I use the New York times all the time in the classroom. Can I just, like give you my lesson plans and she was like haha it doesn't work like that that's not how we do our stuff here but actually i'm looking for i happen to be looking for an editor is that something you're interested in i mean it just was like right place right time and i was like actually yeah i really relate much more to being an editor than a writer anyway and i still do and i'd love to do that so literally every day i taught my five classes i advised the newspaper i was advising and then every night i edited their lesson plans that were going up using times stories like across the whole curriculum. That's how I got wow. my story. I mean, she, that was really, I, I, listen, I have a lot of luck. You're saying like, yeah. you're See, saying yeah. nice have, things to me, yeah. but it's a lot of luck. Well, we have, wow. a, we've had a lot of guests on here that, that certainly luck seems to be uh, at hand for them. Josh and I host this show because luck does not seem to <laughs> be I, in I, our I blew a guy named Luck the other night and I couldn't even get a full fucking hand up. <laughs> See? So. Yeah, it doesn't work so well. All right. So you left the New York Times. I think you said you were there four years? Oh, I was there much long, much more than that. Oh, were I was you? like seven years. I mean, I was there a long wow. time. Okay. But again, that includes like when I was there as a freelancer. Oh, okay. And then I, yeah, I eventually went in-house. I was there a few years in-house. And then I left because I had this idea, you know? And I was, and again, like, listen, I left a tenured job. I was tenured at Stuyvesant, left that. Then I left a job at a very highly ranked, rated, whatever you want to call it, New York City public, uh, private school. I left that. I went to the New York Times. This is, I maybe am lucky or I'm a total idiot. Birch, Watt and Lennox. Birch? (laughs) No, (laughs) it's, um, it's Packer Collegiate. Oh, for real. (laughs) I used to, I used to sub in all those schools. So I know. Oh, there you go. So, you know, it's like, I left, I mean, maybe I'm a total moron. I've thought about this a lot. Like maybe I'm an idiot. I left all these very prestigious or desirable and wonderful, wonderful things I loved. I loved all these things. And I left the times because I had an idea. I was super passionate about it. I was like, I really think I'm onto something. And it was something I started 
really just thinking about so much. And I thought like, I, I need to, I need to do something about this. I need to take a risk. So I left right. and I launched a, my own digital news startup and I ran that for four years. Tell yeah. us though about that startup. I, I mean, I, I love the idea behind it. Is that oh, Muckrack? Is that where you are now? <laughs> If all, no, I didn't. I never worked at Muckrack, although okay. it's pretty cool. Maybe that. Maybe I should have. I it's this, was this little startup called Kicker, and the whole idea came from my teaching experience, right? So this is a part of like the th- whole threading thing, having sure. some kind of theme, right? Sure. It sort of runs through. It came from my teaching experience. It came from my experience at the Times, where we were really focusing on trying to mostly trying to engage teachers. Like here, teacher, here's some way you can use the New York Times with your students. But then we also had just started to experiment with having like student contests and student things where we were actually talking to students directly. And I was really taken with the, the idea that we don't have to make news like homework, right? We can get kids interested in news in ways that are not homework, it's not school, and it's not going through your parents. Like your uncle doesn't have to buy you time for kids or right. scholastic. Oh, to I make get it. Kicker. In news. Explain what a kicker, explain the news definition of kicker. Yeah, I mean, it, that's where I got it from. I mean, right. do you want to say? No, you do it. This is your, sh- this is your platform. <laughs> but I knew, I just realized where the name came from. Yeah, so. well, the kicker of a story is the end, you know, of the story and usually some kind of twist or something like unexpected or interesting right. um, in a way like it's kind of leave, like an idea to leave you with. And I think that was the, that was really like, that's really connected sort of metaphorically to the genesis of the ideas. Like the kicker is that, you know, a lot of people were lamenting how, you know, young people aren't reading news. Wow, this right. is a problem for the industry, the future of the industry. And I was like, no, 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 no. The problem is we're not actually talking to young people directly. We're making it feel like homework. And right. instead of we should just go to them directly with what they really need in a way that speaks to them. So how did you, Why how, did doing you that? how did you do that? Like, how yeah. do you craft news to that age group, that population? Well, they're actually lucky for me. There'd been a bunch of studies done. So I didn't have to even like do that work. I used the studies and I used what I knew from working with, you know, curious, smart young people at places like Stuyvesant. Um, And what I found out is that people, young people really felt like they were a little bit left out of the way news was crafted. Sometimes they didn't know the references. Mm -hmm. And instead of making fun of them, like, oh, you know, kids don't know who this person is or where this country is. Like, why don't you just explain it to them instead of making them feel like idiots? You know, newsflash. Um, and right. they also felt literally. felt helpless and hope li- literally they also felt like helpless and hopeless when they read the news like oh this is so depressing mm-hmm. but they actually felt empowered if you told them ways they could actually get involved and here's a petition you can sign here's you know a place you could uh-huh. find. even if they didn't actually take that action they felt good just knowing they could there was like a few studies right. around these kinds of things they wanted bite-sized news they wanted whatever so i took all this stuff and like created a news outlet that was built around these exact things to make news accessible and engaging and actionable. And, you know, we did this every day. So they're going, so the idea was that they're going into kicker and Mm -hmm. getting this news that is curated by you or the New York times reporting and, and they're going in there like an app, so to speak. Yeah. Well, yeah, at the time, yeah, at the time it wasn't an app, it was a website and a newsletter. Yeah, we would have like every day we would have one thing we called the big story. An idea was like, if you read nothing else today, if you pay no attention this, to nothing right. else today, here, here's the big story. And if you needed a map, here's a map. If you need a who's who, here's that, a glossary, right. whatever you need to explain it. And at the end of, this, end of the article, there would be these ways you could take action with links to, you know, what have you. And then the rest of the other stuff was like, we'd have like this thing we called the day in 10. And it was like, you know, the person of the day the quote of the day, right? You know, so the person of the day today would be like Meghan Markle, right? It would right. be, so, you know, whatever it is, that's how, so you would have like a way to think about news, but it was a very digestible, very quick hit kind of like, here's the quote, here's what it was about. Here's who said it, move on. So it was very well, like high level. Yeah. I love the most about this, Hallie, is as you're talking <laughs> about it, you keep saying we, and when you and yeah. I first spoke, you, you, you know, told me that this was a project that it was, you did, but, you know, it was <laughs> yeah, you. I was a solo founder. I mean, I did have, I did have a team. I definitely had, I had editors and writers who I paid and interns who I paid. I paid every single person. Awesome. I was totally bootstrapped startup. I paid everyone out of my pocket for four years. Wow. Um, which is also another reason why everyone's keeping track at home about the reasons why I'm stupid. There's another one. Um, <laughs> and yeah, I mean, it was, it was really, really hard. And it was, listen, the idea I was, I was, you know, operating on was, 
you know, really in the zeitgeist at the time. This is right around when the skim launched, when Mike launched, when right. Fusion. There was a bunch of other things that most of which were well-funded. Um, though I'm actually kind of glad I didn't take VC money because a lot of that stuff, you know, hasn't actually right. made the money they thought it would make. So maybe maybe it's not that dumb. But um, at any rate, yeah, this was an idea that actually was kind of bubbling up and other people were kind of circling around it. So yeah, I mean, it wasn't, it was, I was a solo founder and that I think ultimately was really, um, was really toxic for me, but, old, but I definitely had a team. I was not alone. Everywhere. Right. But and anybody who's, who's out there reading or listening to this, I'm sh- maybe I'm sure some people do read the times, but I get a newsletter every day in my email from the times and it's mm-hmm. exactly what you're describing. It's oh, a big story mm-hmm. and it's a bunch of little <laughs> tidbits and then links uh-huh. to other stories that seem interesting to me. It is literally that. So whether that's yes. your idea and they took it because <laughs> mm-hmm. it didn't exist forever. It just started, nope. I just started getting it a, maybe a year ago, two years ago or something like that. But for anybody out there listening, that's basically what you're talking about in a digital sense. So you're reading this article. Here's mm-hmm. a link to the map that goes on with it. Where's by John again? Okay, right there. Mm, exactly. And now I got it. Whereas, I was doing this in 2012. 12, right? And when I when mm-hmm. we were growing up, and most of us growing up, is I used to, if I read the Times, and it was certainly around, right? I had my OCD kick in, which was, Josh, you can't walk away until you finish reading every word in this art. You're going to start it. You're going to finish it, right? It was less wow. about getting the news and more about you need to start and finish something, you know, mm-hmm. which mm-hmm. if anybody knows anything about journalism is that all the most important stuff is at the top of the article That's and right. everything toward the bottom is basically either re- like it, it, the same news from yesterday are just less important, right? <laughs> so right. if, you're reading, pyramid, if yeah. you're reading the pyramid, right? So if you're reading <laughs> the articles, just if you get halfway through and you're bored, just move on. Yeah. So Holly, since you had to, <laughs> since you did walk away from it, yeah. what, what would you say though was your proudest like achievement while, when, of doing that? I mean, that you inspired oh, wow. all these other people to now use that kind of, you know, <laughs> I mean, what would you say that was your big payoff in the years that you did that? I mean, for me personally, I, a couple of things. One is I really got connected with young, talented journalists, many of whom have gone on to have great careers that they, some of them really got their start working on this little startup because they needed someone, you know, to your point, someone to give them a start. And I was able to do that for a bunch of people, which is pretty cool. So that's, that's a big thing. That's like a, you know, that pays it forward in so many ways for so many people. So that's, that's an important one for me personally. It was like a masterclass in how to run a company how not to run a company. You know, I mean, I did everything. I edited most of the stories. I created the whole, you know, editorial calendar, the whole, the mission, the, the, um, you know, I mean, literally everything, everything, the names of everything, the look, the feel, the right. every decision, you know, and that was a really amazing, extremely intense experience. I learned a lot about myself, like what I'm good at, what I'm terrible at, right. you know, it was just like an absolute, like it just, just a, a crucible where you're, you're forged in this intense experience. So that was, and not everybody gets to have that kind of experience where they're really forced to reckon every day with what they're good at and what they suck at. Um, right. and be really faced with that every day. Like the thing that you're doing, like really is going to live or die because of you, because of right. you. And you were a mom and you were being, uh, yeah, a I was a mom of a young kid at the time. Yeah. My right. daughter was, was born, uh, just a couple of years before that. So wow. yeah, it was, it was a lot. It was definitely a lot. I learned a lot just an intense learning experience. It, it would almost venture to say too, that everyone is always faced with those things in every job, what you're mm-hmm. good at, what you're not good at. But when it's your company and everything's on the line every day, you're forced to deal with it and face it yes, every day exactly. as opposed to, I'm going to go get a coffee and walk away and I'll yes. deal with this tomorrow. That's your right. HR is magnified. Your, yeah. Your HR, uh, your operations, you, you are fine at your everything. That's right. Yes. I mean, I the t- first time I had to file taxes, I literally cried. I, I cried. Wow. I sat on the, on the couch. I was like, I do not know what I'm doing. Yeah. And there's like real consequences for me, for the company, for all these yeah. people who have to file their taxes. I literally cried. Yeah. It was very, it was really hard. I'm not, you know, no, no sugar coating. And it was hard. All right. So, what so, it, so yeah, then, or, yeah, coming yeah. out of, out of that, that was what, 20? 20- yeah. 16 that you you I found it in 2012 yeah 2016 I really started to be like okay like this is not taking off in the way that I wanted it to for you know reasons and I was like I need to I need to merge with someone I need to sell this I need to do something we need to 
I need to have some kind of exit. Right. And I was very fortunate. USA Today was really impressed with what we were doing. And they really thought we were onto something. And they wanted us to bring like the nutrients, the DNA, the flavor, the feel to USA Today. They had a college vertical that was doing fine, but they were like, you know, it kind of needs a shot in the arm. So they brought me in, sort of aqua hired me sort of in the right. entrepreneurial parlance. Cool. And I ran their college vertical um, for a year. And then, so is it still called Kicker or is that gone now? Oh my gosh. So do not Google it because I, I let it go. Honestly, to be perfectly honest, I, I haven't really told many people this, but I let, I didn't keep the domain going because it was too painful. It was just really painful. Really? So I, I thought originally that I would, because I thought it should live and it was sort of part of my portfolio, right? And all the writers, but I, it was just too painful. So I let it go. And I think a porn company bought the of URL. Course porn. So of course it did. Of course, someone swooped in. Obviously, why didn't I realize that was going to happen? Because well, that has look such at it an now. obvious connotation. Yeah, I mean, I mean porn. somebody that kicker. likes to be kicked. What is it like kicking porn? I don't know. Oh, it's it's go gokicker.com, but I don't recommend looking at oh, it. Oh no! And I uh, was like, we always so end up back in porn on this porn. show somehow. <laughs> we're <laughs> we're trying to just get this podcast to be so famous that the porn companies come at us and go, "We need that URL," or at least let us just sponsor our shows. We, we, yeah. we won't have this. Why? Script. Why are we not talking to porn companies to sponsor? Seriously, show? I this fell into that. I should have sold. I should have sold gokicker.com. You should have do that. Hello. Uh, so you can look at it like on the Wayback Machine. You know the internet. Yeah. Archive. You can look at little spots. Yeah. You know, pieces. Right. It's always out there. Mm -hmm. So can I ask you a question? The article that you did write in June 21 of New York Times about mm -hmm. being laid off and kind of the thinking process. And I, I appreciated it in a way you should look it up, everyone. And I appreciated it in a way where it was like, you know, exactly what this tweet kind of said, right. Mm -hmm. Was, mm -hmm. you know, normalize, you know, nonlinear career paths. Right. And, mm -hmm. and I, but what it also said to me, and while I know it was coming from a good place for you, was like, you know, and I want you to tell the story, too, about how the article started with what your boss had said to you. But, <laughs> you know, what what it seemed like in one regard was like the kind of things that like when you go to a coach after getting laid off or the things your friends who are in more secure places tell you is, you know, <laughs> keep your head up. This is an opportunity. Change the wording that you're using. You didn't get fired. You didn't get laid off. You you moved on this, you know. But it, it didn't take into effect, in my opinion, because I've been laid off, certainly, and Brianna, the, what I felt like, you know, that depression kind of aspect of it. You've, mm -hmm. You're beating yourself up. How do you get, how do you light the fire? It's one thing to keep the fire burning. How do you light that fire under your own ass and say, all right, I'm not a piece of shit. I do have value. You know, how do I, you know, where's that as, how do you keep, how do you but, talk to those? But people? also talk to it from your perspective when you wrote it, right. <laughs> to your perspective now, mm -hmm. just because right. it's a year sure. later, please. Right. Yeah, sure. So, yeah. So just really quickly. So I, when I took over the college of article at USA today, I lost that job a year later. And, um, and then I went to another place and did some consulting for about six months. And then they were like, okay, thank you. Goodbye. So in a way, that's, a, in a way, that's another job loss, which I didn't even get into in the article. Right. And then I went, and then I went and worked at Quartz, which is a business news publication for about a year and a half. Mm -hmm. And then 40% of us lost our jobs the same day because of the pandemic. Right. So this starts to feel like a pattern, right? I'm like, wow, wow I lost that job, lost that job, lost that job. And right after that, I mean, the week I lost my job, I tweeted again with Twitter, I don't know what it is with me and Twitter. <laughs> I tweeted like a couple, like it was like a little thread. It started with, um, listen, there's a lot of shame associated with a layoff. This is between right. you, you. And this is what you were just saying, Josh, you feel like you didn't make the cut. Others were deemed essential, not you. Right. It can fuel any self criticism, self doubt or imposter syndrome you may already have. And there's like a few other tweets in that thread. Right. And a New York times editor DM'd me and said, Oh, hey, I, I'm looking at this. It was like five minutes after I posted it. It didn't even go viral or anything right. like this other tweet. It, five minutes after I posted it, 10 minutes after I posted it, he DM'd me and said, this is really interesting. Do you want to turn this into an article? Right. Did you know nice. who you were? Did yeah. You know we you knew were we, a writer before? Yeah, yeah we knew right. who each other. We were aware of each other. Okay. Um, I think we had already followed each other. But um, I was still super surprised. Right. So, you know, maybe one of the themes of this whole, I mean, in fact, on this podcast at all, maybe one of the things is like to put yourself out there and share your thoughts or whatever. I don't know. Right. But, you know, so I, yeah, so I turned into an article that they ran, I guess, in June 
last June. Um, and it's called How to Manage the Emotional Impact of Getting Laid Off. Right. Which I got and, laid off in June of last year as well. So well, there you go. Perfect timing, right? I mean, and a lot of people, the thing is a lot of people were getting laid off. And I think that's why he was interested in running, you know, right. such a story. Because I think it was at a time when so many people were having this experience and and Josh, exactly what you're saying. Like people are going, Oh my God, like, what does this say about me and the depression and all that? So, yeah. So I think the idea was like, okay, hold it before you spiral out. Let's just put it into context. You know, think about like, is it maybe bad luck? Is it, is it just the economy? Is it your industry? You know, there's like other factors right. at play here. And then also like what to do about it, like how to actually not just like stew and, you know, just sit, in the mire and the muck of depression, but like what you can actually do that's actually actionable is that you can kind of move yourself forward. So that was the whole purpose of, of that. Well, I liked, I did like how it was saying, it's almost a little bit like, you know, going through 12 steps. I think some <laughs> stat you read, you wrote in there was about how, um, how some people, it takes 10 years to get over a layoff and they get over the death of a loved one quicker, things like that. Um, mm -hmm. You know, I, I definitely think that it's all part of a process, but what, what, like, you know, when you get laid off, sometimes you get these like coaches that come at you or they get thrown at you and they're all about like, what do you want to do and focus on? <laughs> and it's like, they, somebody just needs to help you be like, okay, I'm not a piece of shit, right? Like, and and I have value and, and maybe you got fired or maybe you got laid off, but pick the wording you're going to use, you know? The other thing that was interesting in there was you said something about how like one day you have this laundry list of things you got to do and these emails and these phone calls you got to make and the next day you're laid off and you're just like, that's it. And what I got from that was, and this is a word to everybody out there, is take your job seriously, but also it's not, your whole life it's yeah. not, not your the identity whole, the, your identity the emails yes. will get done next thursday or tomorrow but like chill the f out with all <laughs> of it you know i don't you know like and i get it you're in it and things have to get done and pressures and uh, da, 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 da. but think about it from a layoff perspective you could get laid off tomorrow and none of those fucking emails matter they yeah. don't matter I, no one gives a shit <laughs> i so, still think about oh my god these like, these people i was supposed to email back from court it's right. like i wonder if any of them are still like whatever happened to that woman right. Yeah. Like, well, and Holly, I, what is what how, what is how do you feel though a year later after writing that like do you still feel like you know the edit if you had to write that article a year later would you still write the same article yeah so that's a good question so it's been about nine months right i think um just the, so it's a baby um i <laughs> i think um so the, the subhead of that article is stop spirals before they start. Mm -hmm. And I would like to say that I kept, took my own advice and okay. it's, it's easier said than done. Right. Like, like right. you're saying, Josh, like either you have, you have days when you're like, yeah, all right. You know, you talk to a former colleague who's like, right. oh my, you know, says something nice to you or right. you're reminded of something or you get an opportunity of having these interesting conversations, you know, that you're like, you're cooking or you're, you're doing some volunteering, whatever it is something right. nice in your personal life and you're fine. And then sometimes you get, it's, it's like a roller coaster. And then sometimes like on the, down, yeah. on the down slope and you might get a little stuck and, you know, those calls aren't coming and things dry up and you're like, uh, oh my right. God, oh my God. Like I might never work again. Right. And then right. you start to, and I think, I, I mean, I definitely, definitely went through quite a bit of that. So I've been on that whole roller coaster for the last time. So you've so roller coastered, but not spiraled. 100%. <laughs> oh, that's a really, that's interesting. Right. Um, yeah, I think you're right. It's a good point. I think it's been more of a roller coaster than a spiral. Yeah. Well, right. it hasn't been just relentlessly down. Right. Right. If you think about a spiral. Well, cause I feel like a spiral is more you're out of control. Whereas a roller coaster, mm -hmm. you, you know, you're going up and down. So you're, you, you know, you're a little bit more. Yeah. Good point. But you I also think... mentioned that you run. So like, you know, I do. that, that I is do. super healthy. Josh and I do not What's exercise. That? What is that called? <laughs> so what is that? that? Running? <laughs> what, are you being chased? Do you live in a bad neighborhood? What's happening? You know, honestly, it is my mental health practice. It is a hundred percent. I've never found a better mental health practice. I've, yeah. I've been to therapy and the rest of it. No, I'm not right now in therapy. And it, it is my, it's my therapy. Wow. Yeah. See, well, I you know, escape in television. I just go into someone else's world. I mean, that too. I do that too. I do all the things. Yeah, I mean, but I you can't burn calories with your mind running. Just your body is Yeah. <laughs> I clinch my buttocks while I watch television. <laughs> you, you know go. what I do? I lay in bed going, I can't, I would love to get back to CrossFit. And then I wake up and go, 
breakfast is so much better than CrossFit, <laughs> you know? But um, one thing you said too, just to go back to the, the getting laid off thing of like not taking it seriously. Like I got laid mm. off the last job I, I got laid off from and I, I went and basically cleaned up my whole world. I emailed everyone. I put every file away. And like to this day, I wish I just fucking walked out mm. and was like, let somebody else deal with it. But to that point, mm-hmm. and this is something I think people kind of go through too. And I'm interested to hear your response is you know, you get laid off from a kind of job and then you go through the process and you regroup and what am I going to do? And then how would you advise Mm -hmm. as far as thinking, do I go for other jobs like that? Right. Or do I take this as an opportunity to go and do some, this is my opportunity to have a nonlinear career. Do I go and do something totally different now? Or do I go right? Cause I feel like you get laid off from something in a certain direction and you're like, this is the world or whatever, just being like, Maybe it's done traveling in that direction. Where else can I go right now? What do you think about it? Yeah, what you're saying is exactly what I've been grappling with, especially the last couple of months. Because I've, you know, I've had a lot of interesting, you know, opportunities and conversations in digital media the last few months. Right. And none of us has panned out yet for various reasons. And then I'm thinking like, okay, maybe I should not be focusing on digital media anymore. And then I go, okay, so that, on three different paths. One is right. stay digital media, stay the right. course. Eventually something will, you know, will, will happen, right? That's one possibility. Possibility two is I had a pretty interesting career in education before and I was not a terrible teacher. Right. So maybe I should go back to that. I kind of loved that. And sometimes I really miss it. And I loved working with teenagers. So maybe I should just go back and do that. And then right. I think, or three, what's behind door number three? Is right. this like some other way of combining you know, all my experience or like something completely different. Yeah. Like you said, right. maybe this is the opportunity I've been waiting for to pivot and do something interesting. What is that thing? And then I think people like me who have a lot of soft skills, but aren't like specialists, right. this is something you can get really stuck in, which is why that interesting. It's a question of like, is it a spiral? Sometimes is it a, right. is it a, you know, roller coaster? sometimes because the roller coaster thing doesn't work because I'm not on like one track. Right, mm-hmm. right. That's why that doesn't, that metaphor doesn't really work. I'm not on a track. I've wished many times to be a specialist. Like, God, if I were just an engineer, this wouldn't right. be so hard, right? Or something like that. Yeah. It's hard because I am curious and I like to take risks and I like to have change in my life and I like new challenges and I have a lot of soft skills, but I'm not a specialist. I'm not super right. great at one thing. And I'm like pretty good at a bunch of things. And you can combine those things in different ways. It's like I, I, was saying, I was saying before, and I'm actually working on an article about this, but like, it's like having you know, the pieces to a jigsaw puzzle right. and that can be combined in different ways and I don't have the picture. Mm-hmm. And so I'm like, right. okay, what am I doing with these pieces? And I think right. you're, you're saying what a lot, how a lot of us feel. But, well, exactly. Yeah. And that's why but, that tweet, right? Because I was thinking all where, of this but, and that's why I tweeted it out. Right. And when you, but when you think about those three tracks, is your heart in one of them more than the others? Like, is there, is one more exciting to you or you're just, they're like all three kind of in the same? I mean, I think for some people, some people have to just listen to them, their inner voice, right? And that their inner voice is telling them the truth. I think that's really true for some people. I, if, if maybe my inner voice is just too quiet or I speak some other language, I don't speak because I don't, I haven't had that epiphany yet. Mm-mm. So I don't, you know, I, I'm actually, I'm working on it now. I'm actually part of a, a mm-hmm. cohort of women who are trying to figure out together. We're all in the same boat. We're all trying to figure out what to do for our next chapter. Um, and I'm really fortunate to be in a group, well, group, group of women trying to figure this out together. Maybe this will emerge for me. On I'm Women's really Day, sure. nonetheless. Isn't yeah, today? good point. It's International well, Women's Day. It won't be when we but, listen to it. But, but yes, today is I, International <laughs> Women's yeah. Day. But I do have a – it's interesting you say that because, you know, a lot of people will get laid off and they'll, I'm going to start my own thing, mm-hmm. right? And you're somebody who did that already yes, right so while that easily right it led to other things and had success at times right mm-hmm. it, you're not saying not to do that either you know it is like a kind of thing if you're in a situation like a start your own thing you know like many people start, do that That's right you know try it um I just, you know, the, the answer is that there is no answer, but there, Brianna, <laughs> wouldn't you agree that she has, she seems to have the same kind of this DNA that a lot of our guests have had, where it's just a kind of like, even uh, Tracy from a couple weeks ago, like just fucking cut ties and I'm going to go do that. I'm going to leave my teaching job and just fucking run in this other direction. And there, there, 
either either we all have that and we haven't all tapped into that, or just some people have that and others don't. Uh, yeah, said, I mean, you know? I, yeah, I think there's a lot though that goes into it. I think there's financial, like what you have as far as yes. finance, su- financial sure. support. You know, sure. totally. Um, that's that's a big thing. Um, totally. And I, you know, I, I, but I agree. I mean, you're definitely a go getter. I think <laughs> you did have some really nice, lucky moments in your career, but oh, yeah. you, you made a lot of your own luck too, lady. So right. don't just that. count that. But well, let I me think- that. Yeah. Can I ask one more question real quick before mm-hmm. you? Um, uh, how much do you think the fact that you had multiple degrees, master's degrees, mm-hmm. yeah. speaking to our audience, how important do you think that was to the levels of success and opportunities you had? I mean, in education, it, it matters. Right? It helps that you right. are, that you are educated. Yeah, educated in what you're trying to teach. Right. So like that, that's something that matters. Like they want, I, I wanted to be an English teacher. I, was an English major, so I have an undergraduate degree, then I had a master's degree in English, right? So, and then I had a degree in education. So that, and that also puts you on a different track in terms of your salary. So that mattered for that. I think it matters um, sometimes in terms of a resume, like, oh, this person has two master's degrees. Well, like, that's what I'm saying. Care like, about that. And I that think it's, there, yeah. I think it's, but I also think it's like a teach, I mean, in, in a real sense, I think it teaches you how to think. I think. Mm-hmm. It's it's in in terms of the value for me. I don't I don't think it was really like the content as much as it was teaching me how to think critically. I'm a, I think I'm a good critical thinker. Um, you know, I'm a decent writer. Right. Um, you know, I good write. You know, good writing. Good writing. It. I think it's. The, uh, you're good at Twitter. You. You're a good tweeter. I, I never thought so, but thank you. This at this point, wild. you could run for president. Yeah, <laughs> you're up there. That was my original. And you know, I almost said this at the top when you asked me to take me you know, take you through my career path. When I was a kid, I had a T-shirt made up for me with iron-on letters that said Holly for president. I thought I would be That's president of the United States. I'd vote for what you. I wanted. I'd vote for you. Well, Get into I mean, politics. Happen, right? What about politics? Happen. Get into yeah. politics. I love politics. That's actually one of the things on my list, Josh. There you see? Go. Um, <laughs> well, <laughs> so then that leads into our question we ask all of our guests, which is the worst HR question of any, which mm-hmm. is where do you see yourself in five years? You're right. That is the worst HR question. Especially when I've you get to never, be our age. <laughs> because yes, I've I don't never really like to think that, that far ahead. No? I want to answer that so that honestly and sarcastically in an interview one day. Be like, what I don't you know, say? maybe you, me and you were sleeping together behind our spouse's back. <laughs> so we're just like alcoholics in Vegas. You'd be calling HR like on once, you before you even get once. hired. Right. But like, wouldn't that be awesome? Just get that out. You know what I mean? He's the guy. Anyway. <laughs> Answer the question. Answer so, will you be a president? Is that is that what we're leaning toward, or running for president? Yeah, local congresswoman. Come yeah. on, no, I really. like it. I would love to support like if you your campaign. I I <laughs> I too would like to be in politics, but I don't think I, I would do well. Um, could you really see yourself doing that? I know you're saying it joke, but like, could you see yourself in a elected official position? You know, I've always been more of a behind the scenes person, which is why I'm more an editor than a writer. I mean, I have written a little bit. That was what we're talking about. But mostly I've been an editor, right? I mean, when I was a kid, my mom really thought I should be an anchor woman. She really wanted me to be on TV news, right? See, there you go. And um, and I always sort of thought like, oh, I'd rather like be the producer. So I don't know if I, maybe I'll work in politics. I doubt, I'm not comfortable being the face of things. So I doubt I'll do that. But this is what I think you should do. This is what What I'm going to say. This is so obnoxious and arrogant. Okay. No, I love it. I think you have a great eye and understanding for like policy, for planning, for what could be, what should be, right? You write these plans. You say, here, kids, this is how you can ingest the news. And I think a big thing going on right now, and obviously it's a big issue in the States, is is what's real news, right? Who's real news? And for me, growing up, I was a journalism minor as well, but I read, like I said, I read the paper all the time, right? I default to the, even to sometimes the other side, but the New York Times and the Washington Post, if it's not in there, right? If it's not being reported in there, it's not news, right? And then I check the other guys and see what they're talking about. And then I really solidify my understanding. So that concept of relying on the people who do news the best, the Post, the Times, the Wall Street Journal, right? And teaching young people or and certainly older people now too that this re-educating people is this is where truth exists right versions of it but this is where it is you see it here this is where 
things stem from and like kind of re-educating our minds to trust, you know, cause nobody has a sense of center anymore. Everyone. No. Well, but the people now just want to believe what they want to believe. Right. It's so, but my like point they, they is, they don't care if it's real. They just want to believe what makes them comfortable. You could be writing policy for any politician, but certainly educational, certainly journalistically, like something in there about like, you know, this is how we cultivate, how we cultivate news, why we put it in the paper, why we put that story in the paper and not these three stories, why they don't make the paper. You know what I mean? No yeah, one understands that. Right. Yeah. Literacy. Well, but the I mean, problem yeah. is it's all corporate owned. It's so much is corporate owned and controlled. I mean, I, I, yes, I love the but idea. But I'm saying from a policy standpoint of, of education support, like somewhere yeah, along media the line. literacy is, is definitely something I'm, I've always been interested in, but I, even better than that, I love the fact that this podcast has just turned into like a career coaching session for me. <laughs> for you. I was Thank just going to say, for us. Like we're, free, the, we're the last coaching. two people that should yeah. be giving anyone career just any sort of direction. But I we, looked in the classifieds on Sunday. <laughs> yeah. Okay. That's where I'm at. So no I hear you, man. I right. hear you, man. Well, so the last part of our show, we like to ask our guests, um, since during this horrible year in COVID, um, people that did get COVID lost their sense of taste and smell. So you didn't have COVID, right? No, right? thank goodness. Thank God. No. Okay. So, um, but there were other senses to lose and to gain during this time. So what is one sense you feel that you've gained? Oh, wow. That was a fascinating question. A sense I feel like I've gained? Yes. She's good. She should be producing. The two of you should That's be working great. together. Yeah, man. But we've had really like interesting, Producers. you know, we've had interesting responses like sense of time. Yeah, I was going to say sense of perspective. Okay, we've sense of perspective. Yeah. I'm sure that's a common answer. Well, but no, that's a good one. I think people, I mean, and I get that not just from myself, but just people I've talked to, right? Um, yeah, about what's really important to them, about their identity and work we were talking about earlier and not identifying yourself with your title or your, your employer or your job. Um, you're really valuing your family, slowing down, you know, spending time on the things and the people that really matter to you. Taking care of self-care has been like a big thing, right? Like just having perspective on all that stuff. So I think, yeah, sense of perspective. Okay. And what do you feel, what sense do you feel you've lost? I mean, the easy well, one for me is fashion because I just <laughs> lazy. I think so many people feel that way. Like they just lost all sense of that. I, I think a lot of people have lost a sense of, of community. And I think I've been trying That's really hard one. not to lose that sense. I mean, we've been, we've been socializing really carefully. Um, so I've been, I feel like I haven't lost it, but I'm really keen, keenly paying attention so that I don't lose it. That's, that's, that's a good one, though, because I, I definitely, I feel that way. I mean, I, I still see people on the street and they're like, yeah, hi. Like, they don't want to stop and talk. And it's just like, but we have masks on. Like, right. we just have a conversation with an adult. Right, totally. I know. Not We're honestly. really missing that. We're missing yeah. that. Yeah, so for sure. Well, well they said today that you can, if you're all vaccinated, you can be in a small group and indoors without a yes. mask on. And your grandparents can hug you. If they're both, if they're double vaccinated, had their two vaccinations. So Yay. things are turning around. Yes. Well, well, Trace, uh, Tracy, Holly, thank you so much for being on our show. And thank you for it's having been me. Amazing. And, it, you know, again, thank you for responding yes. to my random direct message from a stranger. I appreciate it. Well, that thank you awesome. for being open to that and not being like, who are these people? Like, obviously, you have a that kind of personality. We appreciate it. Yeah, you got to be open minded. That's how. I mean, to your point, your question about like where you're going to be in five years, you have to be open to being somewhere right. in five years. You have to be really exactly. open. Yeah, right. I am waiting by my Twitter all the time for people to random message me and be like, "Will you <laughs> do this <laughs> thing with me?" All the time. But honestly, thank you so much. Do you have Twitter handles, obviously, that you can share with everyone? Oh, sure. Yeah, my Twitter handle is at h e o j. H E O J. Yeah, so sort of Holly of my Epstein Ojalvo. Ojalvo, right? H E O J. It's from back in the day when people weren't using their real names right. on Twitter. Very appropriate. He the Hoge. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And definitely look up her New York Times article from June <laughs> um, as well. Right. right. Do you have a website or anything like that? I don't have a website. Okay. I should have a website, right? Do we not go to Go Kicker. Don't go to Go Kicker. Look for her on your. 
voting ballot in the future. Yes, and policies and <laughs> articles. Here first. Yeah. All right. <laughs> anyway, thank you guys all so thank much you. for listening. We are at jobsblowpodcast.com, at jobsblowpodcast everywhere. I'm at Mr. Josh Hyman. Brianna, are we sharing yours? I forgot what we do with yours. Uh, I don't at, know. At Bri Haas, I Bri guess. Haas, I guess. And uh, hey, if you, if you like what you're listening to, please like, uh, comment, subscribe, share. Uh, let us know what you think, please, if you have guest ideas. Does this sound good? Hello, testing, testing. Yeah, is working. Yeah. I'm sorry for the Ohio accent. After our year off, I listened to some of the shows and I'm like, damn it. That's <laughs> <laughs> all good. Get rid of it. 25 years. This thing just doesn't go away. <laughs> uh, well, it goes, it goes good with my New York accent. So yeah. Right. Well, but and I, my echo chamber, too. All right. You, you sound great. great. Everyone, thank you so much, Holly. You're the best. Appreciate you. Thank you. Bye. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.